The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful, heavy-duty, portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small, portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor rated cast aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus they're IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's September the 1st, 2023, and this is episode number one. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about the debut of the Tesla Model 3 Project Highland Refresh, Kyle's visit to the Rivian factory and driving a dual motor truck, and the debuts of the Mini Cooper and Countryman EVs, and much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the freshly recharged Mr. Tom Malogny, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. And of course, we also have Kyle Connor, who joins us from the majestic, practically palatial halls of Autospec Studios, where he produces high-voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. So, hi there, everybody. Morning, Good to see you you. guys. Good to see you all. So, almost Tom, all, almost all right. So, Tom, uh, you're back in New Jersey, um, all refreshed and recharged from your vacation. Kyle, you're in Europe, driving cool cars that we don't get here. And they're using chargers that mostly work. <laughs> and uh, let's see. And I'm uh, in Tallahassee, Florida, which uh, just dodged a hurricane at the last minute and did not get destroyed on Wednesday. And Martin, well, Martin, uh, he would be with us today, but his family is in the midst of an awesome change that uh, he's going to tell you about. And we have a little video to show you if I can just dig it up here real quick. And uh, because, of course, he is not here. Um, he does this here, so it's a little less clunky when he's here. Testing. Testing. Is this is this working? I hope so. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, everyone watching and listening. Show one is exciting, right? And hopefully the gang are back in the treehouse and we're all hanging out together again, except I'm going to be missing. But I've got a really good excuse, and hopefully you understand why I've not been able to be around for not only on my podcast, EV News Daily, for a little bit, but also uh, on this show, both since we left our old home. And here we go with the launch of a, a brand new adventure. Uh, Dom and Tom and Carl done an amazing job getting batteries included set up. And I was absolutely delighted that here we go, beginning of September, show one. I thought we'd be off to the races, but I can't be here. And let me tell you why. So, some backstory. My wife and I feel really strongly about adoption. It's something that we feel that if it's appealing to you and you can, it's something that you should look at. It's definitely not for everybody. We're both 45 years old now, and if we didn't do it now, we would never do it. I'm already going to be the granddad at the school gates come graduation in 15 or 16 years time but either way we've been going through the process this year earlier this year we got matched with a baby 
and I won't give you any more details than that because, as you can imagine, babies like this don't tend to end up in the system, if you want to call it that, or being removed from their parents because they were in a warm, loving, non-violent home. Now, some kids end up in adoption because the kids are, you know, the parents are, kids are 16, 17 years old or whatever, and they decide that, hey, we just can't do this. It's all very amicable. You find parents and you know each other and all those kind of things. That's not the case with us, and we're going to have our hands full with this child because of what they've been through. But we didn't think it would happen now. We thought that perhaps there'd be a little more time uh, for me to jump on the podcast and and hang out with you guys for a bit until it would all happen. But uh, the timeline has changed a little bit to what we expected. And so I can't be here because we are welcoming a fourth member of our family. And there's a lot to think about. There is the new child who we're bringing into our life. There's my five-year-old son who has coped so well with being told, hey, by the way, three are going to become four, but not in a way that you might be used to or your friends and family and cousins and, you know, a baby ends up in mummy's tummy and kids have got, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months to get used to the idea. So he has coped just incredibly well. My wife is the most amazing human being for what she's done this year to prepare our family. I've just kind of milled around a little bit and put some new curtains up and painted a spare room. That's all all I've done, really. But it's happening now, and it's happening this week, and you'll understand why I simply cannot be anywhere else apart from with my family on hand, being dad, and hopefully settling a little baby into a new life. It's going to be, even though you know, babies are resilient and uh, you know, they get moved and, and, and we, we know we're learning a lot about this this process, it must still be enormously confusing to be looked after by a different set of faces. This baby's already been through a lot already and moved between places. And so we just can't wait to provide a stable, warm, loving family and that's where I am. So I'm so sorry. I'm not here for show one. I'd love to be. But hopefully I got a good excuse. Hey guys, have a brilliant first show of Batteries Included. If you're watching this or listening to this, I hope that you continue to support the guys doing what they are doing here. Even supporting the old place that we were at. They've recast their podcast and doing a fantastic job with it as well. There's room for plenty of EV podcasts and YouTube channels out there. So I hope you enjoy that. And I can't wait to be back soon and telling you, hopefully, if, if you're interested, you might not be, about the process that we've been through and getting back to talking about electric cars every week, every day as well on EV News Daily. Hey, thank you for your time. I'll see you soon. That's uh, So that's the word from Martin. That's awesome, right? Absolutely. Fantastic thing for him and his family to be going through. And we certainly understand as psyched as we all were to have today, everybody, you know, back in the treehouse, as he said, and that was the plan. This all happened really recently. And uh, just, you know, a a week or so ago, he said, guys, I, this next Friday, 
you know, and he even offered, he said, I can probably swing it, but it's going to be terribly difficult on the family. And we were just like, no, you, you take care of what you have to take care of. And I'm sure all the followers are going to understand. Yeah, that's cool. And hopefully, hopefully I can't wait. He'll be back next, next week. Uh, yeah. Cause I miss, you know, being on, on, you know, on the screen with him and having him in the studio before and after the show. It, uh, all you just miss him handling all the behind the scenes stuff. So that's what you miss. Oh, that too. That, that, <laughs> that's definitely true. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, this is our official launch, uh, episode. We'll continue doing our usual Friday show, of course, uh, but we're also going to be doing some uh, interview episodes earlier in the week, starting, I believe, next week. And who knows, maybe we'll do some occasional pop-up shows when uh, some like really big news breaks or some maybe uh, deep dives into technology or still trying to figure this out exactly. But uh, yeah, more, more and more episodes coming to you soon. Um, so I'm I'm dying about to, to talk about what we've been driving this week, but I think uh, we need to just kick the show off with some big Tesla news. Yeah, I got some agreement. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so yesterday evening, the Tesla Model 3 refresh, going by the code name Project Highland, made its official debut uh, in China and Europe, at least. So some European uh, media outlets also got to see the car and make some videos. So this is a uh, mid-cycle refresh, and actually, I have a, I have a page I can show you here. Uh, how we do this? We do this, and then this is the model three, right? So this is what some oops, <laughs> this is what some websites, uh, Tesla websites, look like around the world. They have this uh, model th new, the new model three uh, footage playing in the background there, so you can check that out. So um, right, so this is a mid-cycle refresh. So it seems like much of the car, like the chassis and powertrain, is basically the same. Uh, there was speculation that this car will have large cast pieces like the Model Y now, but we haven't seen confirmation of that yet. So let's just take a look at what we do know has changed. And there's uh, quite a bit even, you know, considering. Uh, so the front fascia and rear design are a bit more different and uh, aerodynamic. The headlights and taillights have changed. The coefficient, it's, like a, it's a lot more aerodynamic. So the coefficient is now point. Uh, 219, that's improved from 225. This gives the car more range. So we don't have EPA numbers yet, but WLTP uh, range is given as 346 miles for the rear-wheel drive version and 423 miles for the long-range dual-motor versions. I suspect those will come down when we see the e quite a bit when we see the EPA versions of those numbers. So now the uh, the front suspension has new springs and dampers. The geometry has changed. The way the subframe is mounted to the chassis has, has changed. There's more bonding points, I guess. And the bushings have been upgraded. Uh, you see there are new designs for the wheels, both 18 and 19 inch wheels. It's got two new colors. Ultra red, stealth gray. The the interior has been upgraded, so it looks nicer. And uh, supposedly the uh, the materials are, are quite nice with the actual aluminum and, and uh, nicer materials. Uh, doo -doo -doo. It's quieter. It's got more sound insulation and acoustic glass has been extended to the rear passenger windows as well as the rear roof glass. The Big center screen, it's the same size, slightly smaller bezel, so it's slightly more room. I think it's like 15.4 inches now. Um, the stocks, like the turn signal stocks and all that, that's there's no turn signal stocks. This is now like the new Model S. So your uh, turn signal indicators are have been moved to the steering wheel. Uh, 
The horn, though, is in the same place. You know, I think on uh, in your car, Kyle, the the horn has got a little button on the wheel, or did? So that that's just uh, something that uh, the Car Wow video shared. Uh, the previous Model Three has the horn, just like your car, Dominic. Right. But just right. that Model S has the button. Right. So a lot, a lot of people were complaining about having the, the button on the steering wheel like that, this little thing. They hit it by mistake sometimes, especially on, on the yoke. But with the Model 3, it's just going to be boom like normal and the horn sounds, and that's all great. All right. Um, what else do we have? So the, the car now has, as you can see in these pictures rolling by, am ambient lighting. So that'll change, and it's all around the car. It's kind of nice. It's uh, so very up to date now. I think that's a, a lot. A lot of new EVs, or a lot of cars in general, you know, have come with ambient lighting, so they're up to speed there. Uh, the seats are now perforated, with the front seats getting ventilation. So yes, that's great. Uh, there's an eight-inch screen in the rear seats with access to climate and uh, entertainments like YouTube and Netflix. The speakers, so the stereo system has been upgraded quite a bit. Um, See, I think there's like two subwoofers now and a couple of amplifiers. The uh, the long range gets like 17 speakers, two subwoofers and two amplifiers. Uh, the rear rear wheel drive speakers only get like nine nine speakers, one amplifier, no sub. Yeah, and there's no word on U.S. pricing yet, but uh, I think we have some pricing for Europe on the site. Uh, first deliveries happen in Europe in October, and that's about it. So. Uh, Kyle, what are your first impressions of this thing? Yeah, well, I'm actually going to be filming it here pretty soon, so very much looking forward to that. Um, and I'll do a full, you know, nerd nerd video. I'm just noticing watching this footage; it seems like they removed the center heated seat for the back, um, but everything else looks to be slightly improved. Um, I guess I'll start negative because most of my feelings are quite positive on this. Okay. Uh, no, no fog lights perhaps quite concerning up front because I always drive with the fog lights on. I own a current generation model three, or I guess, uh, you know, whatever the last one was the old model three now. Uh, and I love, love having the fog lights. I also love the stocks, uh, with my model three, mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, in my model S it's, it's not like it's the end of the world. The car automatically chooses the direction you want to go. Uh, but it's always, it's just like something else to think about and look and process versus just getting in the Model 3 and smacking the shifter into drive and hitting the throttle. And I can get in that car into drive and go right away, which, for example, the Model S, I have to have the seatbelt on and all these things for it to actually engage into drive. And that's how you should drive a car. But uh, we don't drive you know, like humans don't operate perfectly. And so sometimes I'm like driving, pulling out of the driveway and buckling the seatbelt in the Model 3 and I'm stuck in the S. Now, of course, you can swipe up on the screen. I imagine that will be the same. And uh, But that's just a weird, awkward reach to do that. Okay, so those are minor complaints. Who cares? Let's talk mechanical differences between old and new generation. The same exact motors as the current uh, Model 3 and the same battery packs as the current Model 3. So you have, what is that, you know, 60-ish kilowatt hour usable, uh, mid 60 kilowatt hour LFP, close to high 70 kilowatt hours, something like that. And chemistry, uh, I think 84 gross, maybe 81 right. usable. 80, yeah, actually I have the number somewhere at 82.4, something point okay. four. So, so anyway, so low, whatever. Low 80, uh, you know, usable capacity, 250 kilowatt charging on the big battery pack, an okay charging curve, totally livable. The car is a great, it is the new 
gold standard. The Model 3 has been the gold standard in the segment, uh, and this just improves it. The standard LFP um, retains the same exact driveline. Again, 170 kilowatt charging, but a fantastic curve, especially for top charging. LFP just rockets up there. You can full charge it all the time. My recommendation is for everyone who doesn't need all-wheel drive, just get the standard car. It seems great. Um, and that's always that's been my recommendation. My dad and I made a video. He owns an LFP Model 3. And we were just like, this is kind of the perfect car when you factor in price. Like, There's nothing that can come close. Um, so that's great. Interior changes look really nice. The seats look great. The perforated material um, with ventilated seats will be very welcome. Although I will say if it's the same material that's in my Model S, um, which I imagine it would be, it doesn't wear as well as the original Model 3 white seats. I have white seats in both and my Model S, which I only have, I don't know, 12,000 miles on it, something like that, 15,000 miles. Actually, the interior looks worse than my almost 140,000-mile Model 3 white interior. And I think a lot of that's just due to the thinner material that they're using on the white seat. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. New wheels as well, looking great. Um, design space-wise, it's all going to be pretty much the same. Um, you know, Overall, it's just all these little optimizations. Can't wait to hear the sound system. Can't wait to uh, experience this new interior layout. This new center console looks great. Um, ambient lighting, sure, it's still very tame compared to what others are doing out there. But it does seem to be color selectable, which is great. That rear screen in the back will make all the difference for rear seat passengers. That's great. It's uh, There's really nothing to complain about here. Um, it just is like uh, if you're going to get a Model 3, just just wait for this is my recommendation because they've really discounted the U.S. inventory cars right now. And it sounds like the U.S. will not get this car until next year. I think it's going to launch in Europe first okay. uh, is, is my understanding. So Yes, it launches in October, I believe. Right. And uh, they had some YouTubers and media go film it in Oslo recently, but it'll also be here in Munich. And so uh, there might be a million people around it, but I'm going to get a video in with it. Um, you know, to be totally transparent, I did reach out to Tesla and, you know, sometimes they communicate, sometimes they don't. Here in Germany, they actually do have like a press department, though. Uh, so I reached out to the dude there and I was like, hey, we want to film it. Haven't heard back. Uh, but, you know, at least, at least I'm doing whatever I can to get it on our channel. So, Tom, what, what are your thoughts like right off? So you, have, yeah, you, you, you own you used to own one, right? Yeah, I own two Model 3s. Oh, right. Outstanding right. vehicle. Uh, this makes it even better. Uh, overall, super impressed with the changes. I think uh, they made some really nice changes. Don't like the removal of the stalks. I agree with Kyle on that. That would bother me. Uh, I've driven Model S enough without them to know that I don't like it. Um, would I get used to it? Yeah, I'd get used to it for sure. But, you know, if I ate dog poop every day for six months, I'd probably get used to that, too. So, you know, it doesn't mean it's better because you get used to it. Uh, but I, I, I like the uh, rear screen for the rear passengers. I like the new front, um, almost like a chiseled look. Uh, the, the the front fascia looks a, a lot nicer, in my opinion, than the previous version. I think they um, did a nice job with the improvements without tweaking too much. They they kind of, you know, gave us a nice nice refresh on the model three and the range is, is uh, you know, we're talking 12 to 13% more a WLTP uh, rated range. I think it when the long range went from, was it 374 to the, from the current version to like 421. So that's about 13% more. Uh, it won't be that high when we get EPA range rated. I think the highest EPA range rated three now is what 333 Kyle. I think the long range 
is 333. So if it retains that same 12 to 13% increase, we're looking at, you know, 370, 375, uh, which is uh, fantastic. You know, uh, I mean, you know, nothing else touches that in this class. And as Kyle said, it's, you know, it, it, it was before, but this, you know, solidified its position as the benchmark in that uh, class, you know, in the, Tesla's super aggressive with their pricing. We don't know the pricing on this new model, but they've been very aggressive. I'd imagine when it first comes out, there's not going to be any sweetheart deals. Uh, you know, but there shouldn't be because it's going to be in high demand. Everyone's going to want the new one. But if you wait a little bit, you know, as Tesla does, you'll probably be able to nab one for a pretty good price. I mean, the 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 inventory cars that are now, I think we're probably gonna talk more about that later, are are ridiculous deals here. I mean, I could I can get a a, a a rear wheel drive Model Three now with the federal tax credit and the New Jersey state rebate for twenty five thousand dollars here in New Jersey, <laughs> and it's actually twenty one thousand dollars in Colorado. I heard from someone, um, but that might include the fuel savings thing, which is kind of dumb. Yeah, uh, you can't, you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't yeah. factor it in. God, I hate that they do that. It's so yeah. annoying. I, I got yeah. so excited. I, I clicked on it. I thought they had changed that. And I clicked on the site the other day and I saw the ridiculously low price and got so excited. And then, right. They don't it's, need it to do three that. years of gas savings. Uh, come yeah. on, guys. That's, you really don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and it, 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 it's misleading for someone that isn't really well familiar with the site like we are, where we usually we just eliminate that. You know, that's the first thing you view, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, it's that cheap. Oh, no, wait a minute. You know, it's with fuel savings and they can't even make that assumption because the fuel, the cost of electricity is different around the country. And, you know, if, if you're living in an area that has very high electric rates and there's some areas in the country, electricity's, your electric rates have been going up a lot the last few years. And there's some areas where they're paying a lot where there's not much savings. So that's that's right. false advertising. I don't like that Tesla does that. Right. Yeah. Down here, it's like 12 cents. So it's still pretty cheap. But yeah, yeah up where you are, not so not so cheap. It's not too bad in New Jersey, but just okay. go a little bit north of New Jersey, like Connecticut, Massachusetts. Massachusetts yeah. And it's like. 30 something cents, you know, it's like double what I pay 80 miles away. Yeah. So there's no mention of model three performance, which I think is really interesting. So, yeah. So we don't know what they're doing with the performance. I heard maybe from a couple creators who also filmed there, there's a YouTube channel that I follow that I love called auto top NL. He mentioned like maybe model three plaid, okay. uh, which would be amazing. Okay. And so if that happens, like I'm in, that's amazing. So, uh, yeah, cool, cool stuff all going on with Tesla this week. Um, I actually really liked their communication with everything. I think it's great that they've chosen a few select YouTubers and, and, you know, media to share the story because that, you know, these are people that are asking questions beyond just what's shown in a press release, which they don't even typically do press releases. Right. So I, did I just like, there's, there's, there is a press release, like Martin emailed me an actual press release from, from yeah, Tesla. Yeah, yeah. Saw, yeah Tesla Europe like, <laughs> will do these things. Right. And um, so I think this is really a, a good direction. Uh, I don't necessarily think they need like a traditional press department, but I, I like for launches getting more people involved at least. Yeah. And, um, you know, they've done so much beyond just Model 3 as well. But of course, we're going to do all the videos, the comparisons. As soon as we can get one in the U.S., we'll get our hands on one. We'll do the, the you know, back-to-back testing left and right so we can you know, basically leave no stone unturned. Can't wait. Uh, and again, I can't wait to see the car just uh, tomorrow or the next day. Should be great. All right. Yeah. And you're, you're saying you're going to see the car tomorrow or the next day because you're in uh, Germany right now in Munich? No, Berlin. Where, where are you? Yeah, in Munich right now. 
Okay. And I was in a, Berlin yesterday. All right, right. Okay. Right. And we'll talk about that in a moment too. Um, because that was hilarious. Um <laughs> so are you is the auto show happening now, the IIA or is that next week? Uh yeah, I think it starts Monday. Okay, starts Monday. And that's where you expect to see the, the new Highland Model Three? It'll be on display, public display here. Right on. Yeah. All right. Um, so I, I, yeah. So I was looking at it, and I agree with so some of the comments I've seen. I'm not. It's not like a huge, huge difference. I think on the front, and I, th- mm, I'm not sure that I like it more though. Exactly. I like some th- idea things about it, but I don't like the like you said. You don't have the the fog lights. I I drive with my fog lights on all the time as well, just to be more visible, and that's something I like. And also, there's also that that air curtain that comes from the through the front over the front wheels that's gone so i don't know if that actually had any cooling effect for like for the brakes or no okay but you know that's gone so it's a like a sealed basically yeah it's just like a plain front end with a lot, lot less uh like surface detail i guess on on the front end more like aggressive looking uh you know crisper headlight assembly there um it's okay i, I really like the the interior changes though but they did you know, it does seem like they still they're still missing some things. Like there, there's no, I didn't, I didn't see any mention of like a massaging seat option. Which yeah, it's the Model Three. It's like a base car because S and X don't even have massaging seats. That's where it's missing. Volkswagen ID three. Yeah, but you got to spec up. Like here, we have an ID three on test this week that has right. massaging seats. But right. like you know, you got like it's option. it's like expensive. Sure. But that that increases complexity. The, the cool thing with Model Three, and I think like we can all appreciate a little bit of its simplicity, is it's just like a reasonable car that holds its value really well that anyone can use, and there's no frills. Like it's just it's like the base, the most minimum amount of stuff that you need to be comfortable and not complain. But it's not here to wow you. It's not you know it's not like a Mercedes EQS on the inside or anything crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Model 3 is like everyone should just have one in the garage if, if you can afford to, because I, I'm lucky enough to have one when friends come into town. It's what they borrow. For example, our dog sitters driving it for, you know, the whole time we're we're gone here in, nice. in Germany. And it's just a car that's reliable. It's dependable. It's easy to drive, does everything you need it to do. And and this this will be the same. Wait a sec. A dog sitter. You know, I'm in need of a job. <laughs> I love dogs. Just I don't know. Handle. These, I, these are some crazy dogs. Right. We got three big ones. Right. Yeah. Uh, and any excuse to come up to Colorado is great. And I'm thinking actually coming up to see you in October. I'm not sure if that's going to work out for sure, but that's kind of like in my general plan. It's sort of what I'm going to do. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, yes, but I am, I'm really pretty excited about the interior of this car. And I, like you say, I have one in my garage too at the moment. Uh, I bought used, and in the used market, it's going to be, it should be uh, pretty decent now. This should be really interesting to see how this new model coming in affects that market. I, I expect that um, there might be uh, more affordable used Model Threes out there at some point. And I mean, if with luck they can hit the twenty five thousand dollar mark, and then you get that that four thousand dollar rebate kicks in or tax credit kicks in. So that's going to be pretty handy for a lot of people. We talked about we, last week. We talked about a lot of expensive electric vehicles that are just out of everybody's reach. Really, use Model Three. It's really in the ballpark for a huge number of people now. 
Yes, that that's going to be the jam. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, these things just seem to hold their value so well. Um, yeah. My dad uh, was actually looking last night, and he's like, "They are giving him so much money for his current Model Three. He, you know, they dropped the Model X prices like crazy. He's like, oh, maybe that's the way to go.' So, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that later in the show. But they they still seem to be holding strong. There's no mention of when Highland will come to the U.S. Uh, or if we're just going to start calling it the Refresh Model Three, which I think everyone will transition yeah. to uh, yeah. at some point soon. But uh, yeah, I, I think they've nailed it. They they did all the right updates. They kept it simple. The pricing, Tom, you mentioned hasn't been announced yet in our market, but in China and I believe in Europe it has been. Uh, and it's very similar to the outgoing model. So that's all good news from my side. So I'm just looking at the, uh, the US Tesla website at the moment and purchase price. Yeah, here it still says like 40,240 for the rear wheel drive. Which is a bit down. Oh, you, you guys were saying this morning that, that and I, I had missed this somehow, that Tesla has slashed a bunch of prices again. So, hey, Tom, do you have any info on that off the top of your head? Or, or? So, uh, yeah, only the high level info. I didn't look at, I didn't read the whole articles, but it, there seems to be price, they slash prices across the board on everything. And in the Model 3s, I was looking recently or just this morning about the used, the inventory Model 3s in the area are fantastic deals. Um, I, I didn't see if it was any better on the on the custom orders. I'm not sure. Kyle might have a little bit more information on if I don't know. Kyle, it, it, it's just the inventory Model 3s that have the great prices, right? Or it's, no, you can order it too. It's all across the board and they're huge cuts. Here, I'll walk yeah. you through them if you'd like. Uh, Dom, do you think I should yeah. just take everyone through them real quick? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay, so if you were to buy an, a normal long-range Model S yesterday, you would have paid $88,500 for that car. Today, that car is $75,000 or $76,000 roughly. So a huge cut on the base Model S. Even crazier is the Model S Plaid was $108,490, so $108,500. That's what it was. Now it's ninety grand. Jeez. So huge cut there. Oh, man. Even crazier than that is a Model X Plaid is 90 grand. So you can get S or X Plaid both for 90 grand, which is just, that's the most insane performance, power, all of these things that you can get. Uh, really acceleration for the money. I think that might just take the cake, especially when you compare similar results to um, other, you know, high-end electric vehicles, Tycon, Lucid, Sapphire, um, that, that certainly those vehicles do other things better than this, but like, oh my goodness, this is crazy good value. And the model X, uh, was dropped significantly, almost $20,000, the standard version from about a hundred grand down to 80. Right. 79,990. That's, that's, those are some crazy prices, man. How are people going to compete well, that's that's their their problem to keep up with. I don't know. It seems really good. Now, I own a Model S Plaid, so internally I'm crying deeply uh, because I also bought it when it was the most expensive. A really dumb move, but uh, hey, we we've made some fun videos with it. Um, and and interestingly as well, the other big news that I never thought would happen is they made FSD cheaper. Oh, oh, right. That's you mentioned. That's kind of crazy. I'm not sure if I like that idea personally because I have a my used Model Three that came with FSD. Is like kind of holds up its value or helps hold hold up its you know trade or trade value if I want to trade it at some point. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I think in the used market, like when we when you were getting your car, 
I think it was valued somewhere around $3,000 roughly is what we saw this spread. If you took two equal cars, three grand would be what FSD would bring more. Uh, this isn't going to really affect the used value at all. However, I think we could all agree $15,000 was a crazy expensive price for what you get today. Now, Tesla has promised over and over things are going to get better. That's going to do more. We've covered those situations. But if you buy a car for today, which I always recommend to people, which is don't plan on it getting better. What functionality can it do today? It can always you can always buy another car later. Um, I still think twelve thousand dollars is too expensive for FSD beta. To me, it's like and, and again, to every person, it's a different value. And we could all throw out what we think it would be worth to us. But either way, uh, beyond the numbers it's so interesting that they went cheaper. Never thought we'd see the day. Never thought that would happen. That's crazy. Well, Elon's always just said it's only going to get more expensive. Yeah, you know, right. It's, so it's, it's not going to get less expensive. And I agree with Kyle 100%. Even at 12,000, it's way, way overpriced. Honestly, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, as he also said, you know, it's worth to you what it's worth to you. And everybody might have a different point. Uh, my point on, on full self-driving would be about $3,500. That's it. I would not pay a penny more than that in it, in its current state. Uh, you know, if it was complete, if I could hop in the vehicle, close my eyes and say, take, you know, take me to my parents' house and, and nap, then the 10 to 12,000 price range, I think is, is, is probably worth it. But guys, we're not going to get there for a long time. I don't care that there's been promising the end of the year has been promising the end of the year for freaking seven years now. It, it ain't happening. You're not going to get in your car, your Tesla and say, take me here and, and pick up a newspaper and start reading for years. Right. And, and it's, it's just not worth dumping the money into it now, in my opinion. No way. But it's sort of, it's sort of funny that, uh, so Tesla, uh, Elon uh, did a little demonstration drive of the of the next version of uh, FSD beta, the v, uh, version twelve, I guess the big up there right now. We have a, like eleven point whatever. It's in the elevens, uh, and so this is like a, a kind of new logic and new things. Is th instructions aren't explicitly uh, you know in, in the code. It's just sort of figures it all out, and it you know it. it tried to run a red light. So this is like the version he said, he had said again, and he said this many times that, you know, it'll be finished. It'll be ready. It'll be self-driving for reals by the end of this year. <laughs> it's first September and that's his demonstration of it. It's not ready for reals. You know, you can't have, you can't do that. It's not ready. I, I haven't watched the drive, but it did look interesting. Like I think to, it, to paint a fair picture, sure. it, it's not running every red light. <laughs> you know, like right. let's, no, no, no. It's, it, it can still mess up, of course, right. and you still need a human driver. But it looks like it actually, just based off of talking to some of my friends who are like both FSD haters and lovers, uh -huh. like they both came to the same conclusion that it's like fundamentally different than what we've experienced so far. For example, pulling into the shoulder when you come to a stop. And, you know, I, I've always tried to take like a fairly agnostic view to all of this FSD stuff because everyone's got their claims. I have it on my car. Personally, I don't use it. Um, and mostly because it's the eye tracking thing. It dings at me every time I look away. And it's like, I don't, you know, that I get it, but basic autopilot doesn't do that. So I use basic autopilot a lot more for long trips and stuff. Um, yeah. So anyway, New new changes and cheaper price beyond the technology. Maybe it's a sign of Tesla showing, okay, maybe we've got this slightly too aggressive or t slightly too optimistic about the state of FSD. 
And I also think too many people were renting it or buying it monthly um, because that is, you know, you, you'd have to have the car for years for you to make up to 15 grand. And because it's not transferable, like, you know, most people switch their car every two or three years. It's way cheaper just to do it monthly. Yeah. So just uh, just back up a lot. And a lot of people were saying earlier, besides that, it was like the, that was like the one mistake, you know, tried to run the red light. But that's all all you need is like one mistake to, you know, to really ruin someone's life or day or whatever. Uh, but, it, but it did, you know, I will admit it did look like it, the rest of it was really good. I mean, in my car, when I run an FSD, it mostly does really good. But then there's, you know, situations where it does not and where you need someone behind the wheel. Anyway, it's uh, like an ongoing thing and an improvement. And I expect they'll, I really think that they will get there eventually. I'm not sure when that's going to be, you know, when, when will they accept, uh, like say, what's that word? Um, like the Mercedes, Mercedes has the, uh, the ADAS system, but it's true level four where they, Only, and I think it's level three, but it's when the it's automaker, is it four? Yep. Oh, well, yep. it's when the no, automaker accepts responsibility in an accident. And I'm fairly it's certain four, it's though. three. It's four. And then level five is like that with no steering wheel, basically like the level four. Like Mercedes has level four. Up they have level three. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I could double check that. And thing. it's only in Nevada, but I'm fairly certain it's California too. level three. No, it, I think it's only Nevada highways that it's approved for. Okay. I mean, well, I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure because I, I drove it in, I rode it in, in, in Los Angeles, in LA. And right. They, but they, I think they were getting the, the approval for that later that year. So I think. Hold on. Let's, let's, let's look okay. it up right now so we don't confuse our audience. I'll do a little sure. bit of research and then sure. you guys keep talking. All right. So, uh, Tom, let's talk about what you were doing. Besides, let's move away from uh, the okay. Tesla stuff for a second, and let's talk Cadillac. Um, so, you did an interesting little uh, drive this week, a video this week. So, previously, you had uh, you had done a seventy mile an hour range test in the Cadillac Lyric, <laughs> and uh, you did it again just recently. But instead of driving at seventy miles an hour, you drove at eighty miles an hour. Yeah. So, how did that go? Yeah. So uh, I did the 70 mile an hour highway range test, the standard test that Kyle and I do. Um, and, you know, uh, quite honestly, and, and, you know, I might be a bit biased, but I think Kyle and, and my range tests are really the best highway range tests that anybody can, that anybody does. We, we go, we painstakingly try to eliminate as many things as we can. And so that each test is repeated and we can compare vehicle to vehicle. I did it with the Cadillac Lyric and it did fantastic. 70 miles an hour went 330 miles. Their EPA combined range rating. This was a rear wheel drive Lyric with the 20 inch wheels. The combined EPA range rating is 312. So it outperformed its EPA range rating, which isn't completely unusual. We see that, you know, every now and then on vehicles, but it's very good. It, it did a great job. So I had a lot of my followers uh, comment and say, 70 miles an hour is too slow. You know, I live out wherever and, you know, we drive 75, 80 miles an hour all the time. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish you would have done it at a, a, a faster speed. So I decided to do that. But the problem is here in New Jersey, first of all, our speed limit is 65 miles an hour. Um, and the problem is that roads are congested. You can you can blast away at 80 miles an hour at times for spurts. But in order for us to do this range test for three hours, I have to drive 80 miles an hour without slowing down at all. And uh, that it's just impossible to do during the day. 
So I set out and did this at midnight. I started the range test at midnight because the roads are are mostly, you know, mostly clear. And I was able to do that. I was able to maintain it. The whole time, didn't have to slow down at all. Repeated the test about three weeks after I did the first test. I rented this Lyric. There's a Lyric on Toro available here in New Jersey. It was like one of the first people to get one. And um, I repeated the test, rented it from it. It only had about 500 more miles on it. So we're talking same vehicle. The temperature was the same. The wind was the same. This was a perfect comparison test. Ran it at 80 miles an hour. Finished up with 245 miles, 85 miles less. 26% 26% less range. Uh, I averaged 2.3 miles per kilowatt hour. Uh, and on the first range test, when I did 330 miles, I averaged 3.1 miles per kilowatt hour. So you could see significantly less, not, not surprising. Uh, you know, we, those of us that have been driving EVs for a long time understand that, you know, that your range degrades exponentially. Once you get over about 60, 65 miles an hour, Every miles an hour, every mile an hour you add, you're losing range. And, um, you know, so I wanted to demonstrate just how much further you can go. Think about this. If you're on a, a long road trip, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're taking your Lyric and you're going to drive 1,200 miles or so, uh, it, you'd get there faster if you drove slower because the, the, the amount of more energy you're going to consume at 80 miles an hour is going to cause you to stop at least once more. And uh, the Lyric's not a charging beast, and you've got to pull off the highway and find the charger, hope that one's working, hope it's available, and plug in. So, uh, you know, if you do, if you own a Lyric or any electric vehicle and you're on a road trip, really have to, and you're really concerned about getting there as fast as you can, you really have to balance, you know, your speed and time. Kyle's a genius at this with his uh, uh, cannibal runs. It's all about balancing how fast he goes with the consumption of the vehicle and how many times he's going to have to stop and when he has to plug in, you know, so, I mean, but most people don't drive that way. They don't, when you're going on a road trip, you don't obsess over shaving three minutes off of your trip, but still it's it. this, the video demonstrated just how much more energy it needs to push that air out of the way by adding 10 miles an hour to your speed. Right. <sighs> Fascinating results. Nothing, uh, I would say abnormal looking here. That seems about right. Yeah. Um, but I did research the drive pilot. Uh, it's level three and it is only, it was only in Nevada until a couple months ago and now it's California and Nevada. Okay. Uh, but it launched originally, at least for the first half of this year was only uh, Nevada. And I think only EQS with the LIDAR gets it and S class as well. Right. And, and only up to 45 miles an hour? Is that- uh, 80 miles an hour. Really? Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, wait, sorry. Drive pilot. Yeah. Up to speeds of 40 miles an hour. So why did I also? 40 miles an hour. I know. Yeah. Because when we drove it, they referred to it as like traffic jam pilot. So uh, currently it's 40 miles an hour. In their final iteration of SAE level three with the current platform, it will go up to 130 kmh or kph, which is 80 miles per hour. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's be great. I mean, that's full, that's, that's full self-driving once they achieve it because the manufacturer accepts responsibility for anything that well, goes wrong. You really can't think of it that way. I mean, well, in on, a very, very closed road area. Right, right, right. It's true. Not true. Like everywhere in town, take me to the bar, take me here or there only on mapped uh, interstates or whatever for now. Which is like, uh, kind of like what most systems do today. It just means you can look away a little bit longer. I don't think it'll be a night and day difference. And it's not only like 
will the manufacturer accept responsibility? I've never tested this, but it's more like, do you feel safe? Because you also sure. like don't want to crash and get hurt. Sure. Right. Uh, and it takes a while for even like with a FSD, you know, to feel safe to choose. I mean, it takes a while to adjust to the car doing that stuff for you. You know, even like just regular autopilot. I had a hard time. It took me almost a thousand miles to kind of relax and chill and let regular autopilot do its thing, you know, because I take turns different, even on like a highway, I take turns differently than, than autopilot does. And I let all my friends drive my lightning with the blue cruise, hands-free blue cruise, and it totally freaks them out. They're like, they're like, I see them nervous and like with their hands ready to grab the steering wheel. And I'm like, put your hands on your legs and look forward and just let the thing go. And uh, it's, if you're not, until you get used to it, it's, you know, disconcerting. It's really weird to have the vehicle steering on the highway and driving for you. So I understand what you're saying. Right. Uh, all right, so we should talk about, I don't know, we, we want to talk about Rivian a little bit or we want to talk about Mini Coopers because Mini Cooper just, uh, Mini Cooper and Mini Cooper Countryman EVs both just debuted this morning. Just to throw that out there. I don't know, you have a preference, Kyle? Yeah, let's do mini news. I'm a huge mini enthusiast. Tom, we always talk about on the show, Tom had the original mini electric. Uh, I think I've owned six minis and and the future of the brand was looking a little bit disappointing, maybe up until today. So this is all good news. Right on. See if I can uh, bring up some pictures of it. So uh, let's see. So the base... So we're not getting the base Cooper. I mean, we're not getting the Cooper in the U.S., I don't believe, right? The electric Cooper? Yeah, the hard top. Because the Cooper is a trim level. Okay. So uh, the but, mini but hard top is the one you're thinking of. It's it's actually, it's the J01. It's the next uh, F56 generation mini. Uh, it's a, you know, the traditional two-door. Uh, I thought we were getting it to the U.S., although I could be wrong on that. Tom, do you know? Oh, you muted. Mm-hmm. I think for sure initially we're not, but I don't know the full details on whether it's going to come uh, later on. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think 2025. I think we're getting something, but the Countryman comes here right away. But this right now we're looking at pictures of, of the Mini Cooper, and I believe there's two trim. There's a Mini Cooper E and then a Mini Cooper SE, and they they're a little bit different. If I can, and there'll be a future JCW version with max power. So two battery sizes available on this one, 40 kilowatt hour and then 50 something, if I remember correctly. And um, yeah, I'm just going to pull up the the details here, but yeah. well <laughs> over 200 miles of range, which is great. It'll have uh, reduced 060 time in the Cooper S version over the current outgoing car, which only has like a 32, 33 kilowatt hour battery pack. So significantly bigger. So Uh, If you look at the current F56 generation car, this is a platform that was designed to handle gas, diesel, and then they adapted it for battery electric. This J01 platform is um, completely electric from the ground up. It's a brand new platform. And yep, so you'll have the E, the SE, and the JCW up to 250 horsepower, which is a lot for a small car. So that should be pretty spicy and tons of fun. Um, They're Range is going to be maybe 200 miles EPA, something like this. Um, Twice what the current one is. I have those figures. So the the range is uh, 190 for the Cooper E and WLTP. uh, Those are just estimated, though. Right, with a 40.7 kilowatt hour battery. Now, this is from the... uh, 
Press yeah, release. but it says estimated, so we're not 100% oh, okay. sure that'll come in. Right, and the, and the SC has a, with a 54.2 kilowatt hour battery, has a range estimated of 250 miles, which is and decent. They wouldn't, they wouldn't give EPA unless they were thinking about bringing it to North America. Right, okay. Um, fast charging is a little bit different too. Fast charging is up to 75 kilowatts for the E and 95 kilowatt peak power for the SE, which is not still not great. I don't know what's up with that charging speeds. Uh, well, charge goes from 10 there. to 80 in 30 minutes. Yeah, well, that, that's that's okay. okay. Again, it's a city car. So like right. Tom drove the previous generation Mini from uh, the electric Mini from North Carolina or from Jersey to North Carolina and back. And yeah, it only charged at 50 kilowatt peak, very similar to i3, but it just sat there to like 95% or something crazy. And that was livable. And I think for a small electric car, you know, not having 300 kilowatt charging is okay. I think this is something you're going to charge at home or your apartment most of the time and then do the occasional DC trip. Right. Yeah. I'm just surprised they didn't bump it up to like say a hundred kilowatt, you know, like that, that would help the little short burst. Uh, if, if you just needed to add an extra 50 miles and you know, it, it would, um, it would, it would give you a little bit more, but as Kyle said, hopefully you just plug in, you get the 75 kilowatt and it's just poof, the whole way, you know, and then that's livable. Uh, but it's surprising that they even put it to a hundred. It is close to a hundred kilowatts on the big battery, right, Dom? It's close to a hundred on the big battery uh, coming back. Ninety something. Yeah, oh, was it? I'm sorry, I missed that yeah. one. Ninety-five yeah. kilowatts. All right, then that that's that's okay as far as I'm concerned. As long as it's it doesn't do you know Chevy Bolt, you know, oh, like, right. you know, uh, as, as long yeah, as long as it 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 you know hits that ninety-five and just you know gives it to you at least till. 70%, you know, hopefully right up to 80% before it starts tapering. And, and you know, there's no reason why in a 50 kilowatt hour battery pack, it can't hold 90 kilowatt all the way up to, to that. And if, if that's the case, it'll be just fine. Yeah. And that's and BMW has proven that they've never had these big peaks, but like I7 yeah. and, you know, IX, they all just kind of sit yeah. flat deep into the battery. So yeah. hopefully they take that same approach. What we're looking at now is not what we're talking about. This is the no. countrymen here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I brought up the country man because uh, we're not sure when when the Cooper E is going to come here or Cooper SE is going to come here. But the country man is coming here uh, and I believe soon. Uh, So I don't have a ton of information on this, but the uh, the new country man is like five inch, 5.1 inches longer, 2.5 inches uh, higher with a, a wider wheel arches to accommodate wheels up 20 inches. Uh, Countryman E for electric. Uh, and so the, globally, the Countryman lineup will be offered with uh, two gas engines, a diesel and two EVs with a 64.7 kilowatt hour, kilowatt hour battery. The, the base Countryman E has an output of 150 kilowatts or 204 horsepower, 183 pound-feet of torque and 287 miles of WLTP range in the right. That sounds right. Right. 287 miles of WLTP range, which sounds like 250 EPA. So, yeah. But uh, what, what do you what do you think of this, Kyle? You're you're a mini enthusiast. Is this is this too far out there for the mini crowd? No. Um, uh, so I'm a I've owned Countrymen's before actually, and uh, I've done hundred plus thousand miles in them. And you know that that was uh, before I was into EVs. I was driving minis around, like I mentioned, and. 
I think my main concern with this is the price. I think it looks fantastic. I love the new circular UI situation. I think that's a great idea. Um, this is a little bit disappointing because they built it on a platform that, you know, isn't battery electric from the ground up. So I, right. I hope the optimization is going to be okay. I do believe they will have a, um, all wheel drive version. Yep. The mini countryman SE all four. So there will right. be one and that's expected to be like 50,000 euros. And so that seems like quite expensive for a top trip. Like, like how could you go for this over a model Y basically is, you know, I mean, I this is a tough sell. The interior. I mean, this is really nice. I mean, I like the model. Y, I like the Tesla interior thing, but this is pretty special too. Some people, you know, I can see people really like glomming onto this, you know, really liking this, this interior. Sure, until they have to go charge it at a non-Tesla <laughs> supercharger or, or they have to go somewhere and it only charges at 150 kilowatts instead of 250. You know, you know, when you start thinking about the material usable differences between this and other cars, it, it might I just hope they've done their homework and this thing works really well. We'll have to test it because I think it looks great. It's the right size. It's not very mini. We've had that argument a long time ago when they launched this car, everyone was upset and guess what? Mini lovers drive them all the time. And um, you know, I think they, they nailed it on the styling here uh, all, all around. It looks, looks great. I just wonder, I could see it really popular here in the, the Munich area because there's a ton of minis around because of course, BMW group headquarters are based here. So everyone's got mini company cars. They're all ripping them around. These will be everywhere here. It makes sense in the U S I wonder how well it'll do. We'll have to see. Right. Hmm. That's yeah, pretty I, interesting. I like in, Greg in, Kramer's in, uh, point here. I, I don't see this above the EX 30. It would be a pretty much, solid competitor for the the volvo ex30 the ex30 is going to cost less um you know i know you're going to have the, your mini enthusiasts that love everything mini and uh it, it you know that it'll appeal to them uh but I, i'd be curious to see head to head um that would be a super good comparison video for you in the future kyle uh mini countrymen volvo ex30 head to head um that probably uh, that would that, that would be really good and by the way full disclosure i have an ex30 on order yeah, same here. Yeah. Well, you, you guys have it like every electric car on order, though, don't you? Nope. Well, I'm not everyone. <laughs> I feel like the list of cars that you don't have on order is shorter than, the, I mean, yeah, than the list of cars that you do have on order. But uh, I get it. Um, well, you don't have to take delivery of them. It's just good to reserve true. a spot. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, we, we're not, you're not buying, you don't have like a huge aircraft hangar to park, you know, cars in. It's not a bad yeah. idea. We did yeah. go by the local airport the other day to check them out though. Oh yeah. The classic yeah. Hot kind of idea. Yeah. Is hangar. That, right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, all right. Um, so I have Kyle, a big barn here now at the house I just bought next door. That's so dangerous. I can store four cars in there oh yeah that, that gets dangerous real quick once you have space then you start filling it up with stuff right all right uh so kyle you this week you had a before you went to europe or actually this was the week before you this week you released a video about going to see uh, rivian and uh, visiting there and trying out the, their new dual motor uh, r1t the pickup truck 
And then you did, so you, you drove both actually, you drove at the, at the Rivian factory, you drove the traditional four motor version, which is something that you own as well. And just compare the dynamics of that and how it works with the, the new two motor setup that the Rivian is producing with their own motors now. The, the original four motor, uh, I believe the source motors from Bosch or something. Uh, but yeah, so how, how do they compare? Uh, well, I mean, I think uh, it took me an hour and 15 minute long video to answer that question. And I only got through about half what I wanted to say. So I won't extend this podcast longer than necessary. Sure, sure. But I think ultimately what people need to know is um, when Rivian launched, they launched with one configuration of the truck, which was a single battery pack, the middle size battery. They call it the large battery and a four motor system, which is all the content, all the stuff, you know, sort of maxed out, but they didn't really have the resources to engineer their own motor in-house. So they went to Bosch, bought the units from them, and then they did their own inverter on that four motor system. So some of it was Rivian focused. This new uh, motor and architecture from Rivian, it's it's what's called a three-in-one. It's motor gearbox and inverter is done all in-house. Now, of course, they have to source some components outside, but the design, the spec, everything is done by them. So it's a Rivian motor built for the Rivian current products and the future products. So they, the effort that went into this motor isn't just as an option for R1, but it's also for their Amazon delivery van. It's also for R2 down the line and whatever else they haven't announced yet. And so basing your engineering and basing your cars on an in-house designed motor that you can optimize specifically for your current and future needs is a great starting point uh, and a great thing to have in your back pocket versus a lot of other automakers who have to go to suppliers and get their motors from them, which isn't bad, but great to have your own in-house technology. The, um, yeah, what else should I say about it? It, it uh, you know, comparing it, there'll be three different motors available now. There'll be a standard dual motor, a performance dual motor, and then the top trim quad motor. So they're still positioning the quad motor as the top drivetrain. It's what Tom has in his R1S. It's what I have in my R1T. And it's a great drivetrain system. However, there's some thermal issues. There's some NVH issues as well. Half shafts clicking. Motors are quite loud. And then there's also um, you know, uh, some power uh, torque transfer issues where basically it can't send torque beyond what one motor can do. Uh, so if you're stuck and only one wheel has traction, even though it's four motors, sometimes that one motor with traction isn't enough to move the whole truck up and over what you're trying to do. So I have some issues with the four motor system, most of which were fixed with the introduction of this dual motor system, which is positioned lower down in the lineup, less right. impressive, uh, but it's quieter. It, right. You know, speed wise, sure, it rips. Uh, I drove the performance one, three and a half seconds, zero to 60. It boogies. Uh, Rivian actually limits the acceleration of their truck based off of ride height and drive mode. So if you put both trucks in all purpose, which I haven't tried, I want to, I, I bet they're about the same power you get on a daily basis. So I don't think in daily driving, you're giving up any power. And, um, you know, you're going from like uh, something like 700 horsepower, roughly 650, somewhere around there to 835 for the quad motor. So the quad motor on paper has a lot more power. Uh, but to me, it's not worth the difference in acceleration because I don't think people are really drag racing these things. Um, 
what else should I say about it? Yeah. I mean, it's still, uh, it's got a clutch disconnect on the rear. I did a whole deep dive into that in this video. You can talk about that. There's no right. locking diffs, which I think is really a shame and they, it's a missed opportunity. I think they right. wanted to keep the dual motor system less impressive than the quad motor system, but it would have been such a cheap, inexpensive, simple activation, um, you know, situation to put in just the rear motor, a locker, and yeah. it could have just, you know, it would have been the better off-road drivetrain at that point than the quad motor system. And they purposefully, my impression, didn't do this to keep the quad motor top. But I still feel like they're holding back a little bit of capability with this. Right. So, um, so what, for people who don't understand the whole locking situation, so generally when you're like when you're driving the truck the way it is now, if uh, you know three wheel, if you can't three wheels can't get traction, there's only one wheel. It, it, it can't transfer the torque over to the other side, but if it's locked, the wheels turn regardless, you know, they're, they're, they're just turning. So if there's one that has traction, it'll, it'll pull you out. And it's like, it seems like a big miss. Well, they do it electronically with brakes. So right. there is, there is torque transfer through ABS. And okay. so if a wheel is spinning, they'll honk down on the brake on that side. But you got stuck. Yeah. I'll get to that in just a second. Okay. Okay. So, so under normal driving situations, I had a, a situation where I had the front left and the back right wheel completely in the air, teeter-tottering. And, and we weren't trying to raise elevation. We were just driving along. And in that case, like almost every car on the market today, the wheels that are spinning, ABS grabbed those brakes, which sent the power to the wheels with traction, and we moved along just fine. A little bit of noise from the ABS pump, and we were on our way. And that is totally fine. Um, you know, for, for like 99% of use cases. And it can actually transfer quite a bit of torque until it maxes out the capability of that system, which is really only as hard as they're willing to let that brake caliper clamp down. And um, certainly not hard enough because I was wide open throttle and we were actually spinning all four tires, um, you know, in a, in a sense, or I should say three tires, one that wasn't really moving. So they definitely need to increase the clamping force to simulate a locking differential better in an extreme situation. Right. Um, so you also talked about the, the, the max, the max pack, the big battery pack a bit on this. Do you, and somebody's asking, uh, any news, the pop PV ask any news on the kilowatt hour capacity of the max pack? Yeah, I think we know everything about max pack now. So there's three battery packs available in the truck. There's a standard LFP battery pack. Um, that's actually in every Rivian Amazon van right now. Uh, every Rivian van since January is LFP with the just the front Enduro drive unit, this new drive unit. So they've been testing that battery, cycling them, doing everything. That's pretty cool. And they can also full charge them every day, of course, because it's LFP is how they're using them. Then there's the, the large battery pack. We don't know the kilowatt hour capacity on the LFP. The large battery pack is roughly, uh, you know, maybe 140 kilowatt hours gross, plus or minus, and close to high 120s usable. And then the big battery pack, the max pack, is completely unchanged from the standard battery pack in terms of architecture, packaging, cooling. Uh, it is just a cell chemistry change. And I think okay. this is really, this was the most disappointing thing to me about max pack, actually, is okay. they, there's room to expand the battery pack. There was an opportunity to up the voltage of the truck and to make it more usable and more useful. Um, and, and they, they decided to go the cheap route 
which, you know, I'm not a company analyst from a cost perspective. Maybe it's the only way Rivian can survive is to not spend huge R&D money right now, uh, but mm. still offer max pack. They're offering what they promised. It goes 410 miles EPA R1T on the aero wheels with max pack. It's huge range. They've been able to eke a lot out with this new chemistry change. And so I think, um, yeah, they, I think it's uh, it's the right uh, right decision. Maybe company financially. I don't review companies. I review cars. And I thought, uh, okay, well, maybe it's only an extra 30 kilowatt hours usable over the current one, something like that. 155, 160 usable is what we're thinking. Maybe 180 gross. Okay. Sounds sounds reasonable. Not for 10 grand. Oh, well, yeah, maybe not for 10 grand. 10 grand, yeah. Yeah, if you go to the configurator, I think it's $16,000 from the base truck to upgrade to the max pack. And weirdly, you can't get the quad motor max pack because, which makes no sense because it's the same architecture. <laughs> like the battery's not physically different in yeah. terms of packaging. So why That's- not let me get the max max? So yeah, lots of questions. Rivian kind of skirted a lot of those things. I also didn't really focus in on a lot. I was there to review the dual motor, right. um, but I'm just slightly confused as to some of these decisions here. Right. Well, maybe we should uh, see if RJ wants to come on and explain it to us sometime. Yeah, or someone else from Rivian. Yeah, or we could someone have, else yeah, from someone yeah. I mean, from I, I'll, the marketing I'll, team. I just love to talk to RJ. He seems like a you know pretty together CEO. Uh, you you got great. to talk to him. This yeah, time? spent spent quite a bit of time with him this this week. He's really just awesome for for having you know to be uh, well versed in so many areas of his business. Um, we were able to dive into some fairly deep topics. Uh, very different from each other. And he was right with it and fully understood it. Um, and I'm lucky enough where I get to talk to a lot of automaker CEOs, uh, just at events and things that I go to and very few of them completely understand their business. Like my impression of RJ understanding Rivian. Right. I think only the startup CEOs are capable of that, Kyle, you know, the, the legacy brands for the most part, the CEOs, I've in many instances come from being like a CEO from another company that wasn't even in the automobile industry, you know, and that they're just, you know, high level company managers. But with the startups, you look at Elon, you look at RJ and, and um, even uh, Rawlinson, you know, these guys understand everything about their vehicles. And um, you know, I, I think we only get that with the startups. Right. Yeah, it was actually fascinating because I saw I was with Peter Rollinson and RJ back to back day at one day after each other and uh, really a great time. Both of them fantastic individuals. And uh, yeah, had a, had a good time with both of them nerding out about stuff. Yeah, we t- and then we talked about your, your lucid uh, trip last week. So if you're curious about how that went, you can check out last week's episode for that. Um, yeah. So any, any questions you have about the, uh, dual motor system, Tom, you, you're a former, you're a former Rivian truck owner. Former. Yeah. He's right? got one now. Truck. I have, I have the R1S now. You have the R. Oh, right. Come on. You oh, know that's that. True. That's true. Yeah, I, I, was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking pickup. I was thinking pickup yeah. truck. It was yeah. Like, no, yeah. I had the, the R1T and I sold it and I have the R1S now. You know, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly content with the, uh, with the quad motor. Uh, I, I, would I, the interesting thing is if I had the option, would I have taken the dual motor? I would have had to think long and hard about that because this is a substantial savings. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, yes, this is a higher performance, the quad, the quad motors. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. Uh, if, if for it were, you, the dual motor would have been perfect for what uh, probably, you probably more prob- range, more efficiency. 
you're probably right, but I, I still don't know if I would have said, give me the extra horsepower because I just want to, you know, I want to throw everybody in the back seat when I stomp on it, you know, and, um, you know, I, I'm sure the, the dual motor has a tremendous amount of power too, but the quad motor Rivians are just nuts. I mean, my R1S is just, it's crazy how, so how do you uh, drive it in lowest suspension very much. Only, only one, not normal driving, normal driving, you know, they're just a regular suspension, but there's frequently when I go out, particularly, like I said, when I want to, you know, impress people, uh, yeah. of course I drop it down and, 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 uh, and, you know, thrash it around a little bit. I'm trying to set up bringing it to a local uh, track and do some quarter mile runs, um, and surprise some people. Well, that's probably not too much of a surprise anymore. Most yeah, people know what's, what it is, but still seeing this SUV roll up next to you and your, you know, modified 69 Mustang that you, you know, you've, you spent the last 10 years of your life, you know, trying to squeeze out as much horsepower as you can. And this guy rolls up with a child seat in the back and an SUV and just toast you. It's gotta be demoralizing. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, for 99% of people, my recommendation is go dual motor uh, because under normal driving, I think they're pretty much identical accelerations unless you drop the trucks mm -hmm. to lowest suspension. There's no half shaft wobble uh, or uh, they at least claim they've taken care of the half shaft situation. Um, it's more efficient. Uh, it's, it's all done in-house, fully integrated. And I think more predictable off-road, like unless you're doing uh, – there's certain scenarios where the four-motor system certainly is going to be better. They can do you know torque, torque vectoring where they can overdrive the outside tire. They can't do that with the dual motor. But yeah. those situations are so slim in the amount of use case, it's not worth the extra money. Now, there has been a new topic, and we're going to do a whole podcast on this on the out-of-spec side, um, of if you have a current pre-order reservation – it's $500 less to get the dual motor. I think if it's that close, just get the quad because I think it's going to hold its value better. And, uh, you know, it's always going to be the top option. It's just a cool thing and experience it because it is a unique drivetrain to get the four motor system. But if it's a $3,000 spread, then I think you just get the dual motor. Uh, it, it's, it's a better system for daily driving. You get more efficiency, more range, less noise, less clunking. It, it, the, the dual motor is fundamentally better for most use cases. But then Kyle, there's the other thing that, um, and you might not agree with me on that, but I'm not hundred percent sold that this is, you know, uh, going to be as reliable, say as a Bosch motor throughout the years where this is their first iteration of making their own motor. They don't have years of experience. I know that you, you, you said that, you know, it's in the, it's in the, the uh, Amazon trucks, which is great way to really test them. But who knows two, three years down the road, you know, um, uh, you know, it's a new car. They're still a new car company. This is the first motor they designed in-house, you know, putting that up against, uh, say, a Bosch motor who has been making motors forever. You know, um, maybe maybe that's something that people want to consider, at least, uh, you know, it's 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 something to consider. And you get less warranty on the Rivian motor, which doesn't lead to, to higher confidence. It's something I didn't put in the video, but really mm. wanted to. Yeah, um, that's, that's worth mentioning. We'll have to follow up on it. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's like five, four years instead of five years or something like this. They should go yeah, all out with that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I always talk about when I do my charger reviews is first thing to look at is the warranty, because that tells you the confidence that the company has in their product. And, yeah, totally. um, you know, totally. if if you're offering this truck with an X warranty and this truck with X minus two warranty, 
there's a reason why they're doing that. They didn't just arbitrarily pluck a number out of the sky. So, you know, it's, it's something to consider is all I'm saying. I wouldn't say don't buy one. I would just say it's something to consider. Yeah. But also like the Bosch motor is not the best. Uh, I think we can all agree. It's clunky. It's noisy. Like I'm not, I don't like, I always complain. Like I love my truck. And the first complaint is "Ah, I don't like the drivetrain that much. So this like kind of solves a lot of that stuff. Honestly, the the warranty stuff wouldn't bother me. I would go for it. If it's going to break, it's going to break in, you know, the first, you know, few thousand miles, not, it would be my impression of how electric motors typically fail. You know, over time, there could be some things like early Model S drive units had the the coolant water jacket situation. Every design, there is always going to be some flaw that will come out, but certainly worth considering. So th- I, I thought the, the Bosch motors, I mean, Bosch has a lot of experience in, in making motors and things, but it, it's not really, it's not super great though. Like, like you said, though, it's, it's glycol cooled in, in the, in the jacket around the motor, I believe. Whereas the new design Rivian has, does it right. They've got oil cooling. It's got, they got the oil splashing all through so the stator all around. I mean, it's really, I believe they were doing with this electric motorcycle, uh, motors like the oil injection like years ago it just makes more sense for thermals they just keep everything under control yeah my understanding is a lot of the rivian motor team came from gm like the the bolt motor days stuff like that and those are fairly reliable Uh, i don't know how many of them or who or or anything like that but i I think most of them have been in the industry right and it may prove to be even more reliable and last longer than the Bosch motors. I, I'm just bringing it up as a point to consider because it is their first motor. They're just launching it. There's not a lot of track record and it's something to, to consider. That's a fair point, I think. So, Kyle, I want to talk about this little video you made the other day, just really quick. Um, so, was it yesterday, the day before, Tesla made all the superchargers in, in Europe or just Germany free? So, yeah, all you, of Europe. All of Europe. So you had this bright idea to go check out how that was working, working out at as many different supercharger locations as possible. I didn't watch the whole video, so I'm not sure how many you you managed to hit. But I just thought that was great. Just can you tell us, like, if it was bad or good, or just people should go watch the videos and check it out because it's an it's a, you know it's an enjoyable watch. And it's actually been interesting reading the comments on that after it's gone live because a lot of other Europeans went out and did a similar thing and, you know, went charging to get the free juice. And there's no question that the traffic was significantly higher than average. And there's two reasons. I think the first is you incentivized people who were already traveling to just use the supercharger network because it costs nothing to travel on that day. So that drew, you know, some of the, the, I guess uh, the drivers away from the other public networks and brought them to Tesla. And I think a lot of people went out to go get their free juice uh, just because why not? It was free. And I think that's the thing. Now uh, I thought it was really an interesting experiment. We went to this one that you're seeing on the screen. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or Twitter, Uh, this station is the downtown Berlin station, you know, 20 stalls right in the heart of Berlin. And it was empty. No one was there. I mean, there was like four cars out of 20. It was crazy. Uh, So we were like, oh, well, maybe this isn't like going to be a good video. I don't know. And it was fascinating because all of the other chargers that we went to on the outskirts of the city and along the highways were jamming. They were full. Uh, The only one that started to open up was right close to midnight. Uh, We, you know, we, we went to the last charger and it was opened up, but um, yeah, it was pretty fascinating. We talked a lot about the main purpose of the video was actually to see like charge port location. Does it have a big, as big of an effect on, um, you know, 
the uh, the traffic flow at a supercharger? Okay. The answer is yes. That's what I really wanted to see. The free charging thing, I didn't really care too much about that. I knew more people right. would go and charge. Right. But it was more like, well, now it's free for Tesla and non-Tesla. So That's I was right. hoping to see a bunch more non-Teslas there. And there were. Okay. And they were, were they messing up the, the way they, you know, because like this ID3 is the, the charge port is on the rear of the passenger side, which is the opposite side of a Tesla, say. So did it mess up how, like the parking situation, making some stalls unavailable? Totally. And it was actually interesting. There was a station that was pretty much exactly half full. But because every Tesla owner left a perfect space between them, I could not plug in the ID3 anywhere because you need two open spaces next to each other. You need a non-Tesla in the spot that you're not going to use, and you need the space that you're parking to be completely open. And so it, it shifts everyone the wrong way. Uh, there were some sites that had an additional space on the other side of a supercharger all the way on the end. Um, that I was able to use uh, at one particular location. But then, you know, I was pulling out and a Model 3 was backing into this spot thinking they could charge there, but there was no charger on where their charge port was. So it definitely added some confusion, some convolutedness. Now, version 4 charging is going to be centrally mounted posts in general. Uh, you know, the, each site design is going to be different, but they're also going to be longer cables and that's going to help a ton. But I'm not convinced they're long enough. And that brings up more of a question as to what this whole video was about, which is, is it the automaker's responsibility to standardize charge port location to blend with Tesla? Or is it Tesla's responsibility as a charge point operator to charge all vehicles? And I think that's a question that hasn't totally been answered yet. Um, but I don't think standardized charge port location will ever happen personally. And right. so I think it's up to Tesla as a charge point operator to Adva you know, whatever their mission is, advance electric mobility uh, to to uh, you know basically allow the longer cables so you can have different sites uh, charge different vehicles. Uh, maybe I'll meet part right. I think well, the uh, version four superchargers that are starting to roll out now in Europe uh, have longer cords. Yes. Um, the the version four has longer cords. Yeah, I went to one. I went to the Giga Berlin. Uh, version four, but it was all closed. So we're okay. going to take a road trip, I think, to the Netherlands. There's some. So we'll head over there sometime before we leave back to the US and film a video at there. But it's not going to be that interesting because um, they're still hooked up to version three chargers. So there's mm -hmm. no difference in charging power. Right, right. When I spoke to Jeff Bino, a Ford, Ford's public charging manager, I asked him that specific question. Are you going to start locating your charge ports in the back to accommodate? He didn't come out and have a clear like yes or no. But what he did say was, well, we've worked with Tesla to provide longer cables. So to me, that seemed to be an answer. No, we're not going to start putting all of our charge ports in the in, in the rear of the vehicle. Um, you know, so I, I think that's pretty much as Kyle said, you're not going to get all the auto, all the OEMs to do a standardized charge port location. Just like you, you're not going to get the audio, the OEMs to have a standard battery size so that they can do battery swapping with the removable packs. These, all these companies don't want to have any outside influence over how they engineer their vehicles. Is even to the point of a charge port location. So that's not going to happen. I don't believe it. Well, at least. Right. Uh, Merchie Bautista mentions who here remembers that the, that the location to fill the gas tank was behind the license plate. I remember this. It was on a spring. <laughs> Pull it yeah. down. We had a, 
my dad had was a taxi driver, so we we had like a fleet of uh, Plymouth Furies, mid seventies Plymouth Furies, basically, <laughs> and they, yeah, they get the the, uh, the gas tank was behind the license plate. It was kind of neat. I can see uh, uh, manufacturers kind of not not being forced to put their you know charging ports in the in the same place but just if if uh tesla charging really becomes ubiquitous like really like a monopoly it would just make sense then to you know put them on the on more closer to the corners of the car left or right or you know or front or back it doesn't really matter just closer not behind the front wheel uh, this is the weirdest location i, I find for, for me and gm has a lot of charging location i mean a lot of Manufacturers put charging ports there on on the front driver's fender behind the wheel well, when it should be like on the front or in front of the wheel on the wheel well or on the on the nose. Or I love the way Tesla does it. Really, in the in the back tail light, you know, assembly flips up. It's it's really wonderful because it's, it's not unless you have a bike rack or you're towing. Oh, really? The back charge port? You mean? Right, right. It gets in the way with the bike rack. Oh yeah, absolutely. You see okay. how many superchargers are pushed over? You ever notice uh, that? No. Yeah, just go to like any station oh, and, oh. and you'll see them like bent back a little bit. I've, right. And I've seen people with bike rats smash into these things. So, you know, Tesla owners aren't always the best drivers out there. Sure. Uh, you know, because I think they always rely on their cars to drive themselves. Uh, anyway, the the uh, the supercharging experience the experiment was fascinating truly right. a great uh, time going over we uh, learned a lot and I think Tesla probably got a lot of good data as well but one thing is for sure the superchargers work great here in Europe uh, other chargers also work very well uh, so there's much more competition for charging in this market than than just relying on Tesla. True. Hey, and before you went to Europe, uh, you got to see, you went to Overland Expo, I believe in, in Loveland, Colorado, just down the road from you. And I didn't think you were going to make it to this thing, but uh, you did. And you got to see this crazy thing. I didn't want to spend a whole, don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, you have a great video here and you talk to the, the people that take you on inside a total tour. So people should definitely go and check that out. But just how crazy like an Overland Hummer EV Fully integrated, you know, they, they've worked together. Who's the manufacturer of this uh, land? Earth Cruiser. Earth Cruiser, right. Land. Earth Cruiser. Land Cruiser. Earth Cruiser. It was something like that. Uh, yeah. So it was quite an interesting package overall. Uh, you didn't pre-order this, did you? No. Okay. I, I only have one car on pre-order that I can think of, and it's just the oh, really? EX30. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know what oh, yeah. else I would. What else is uh, out there? This is you didn't there. reserve a Cybertruck? No. What? Yeah. A lot of Cybertruck news. A lot of buzz on Cybertruck. Is, I mean, this, people are just like foaming at the mouth waiting for this thing to come out. I mean, Cybertruck. I'm thinking myself that I didn't reserve one. It's YouTube gold. I really, I, I mean, who knows? When the Cybertruck initially launched, I was there at the launch event. I didn't think it was ever going to be that, you know, possible that I could just, oh, yeah, let's just get one to make some videos with and then sell it. But, you know. So it wasn't part of the plan back then. Yeah, I, I think I have, I forget what I have reservations for. Uh, the EX30, a Cybertruck, a canoe pickup truck, Silverado EV. I think that might be it. So only four. <laughs> hey, real quick, uh, Real EV in the, uh, in the comments is talking about uh, 
Electrify America updates. You hinted at that last week. Uh, there is probably there is something they were doing, maybe rolling out some software possibly to update their system. Signet surge is that? Do you know if that's been taken care of or anything like that? Oh, I haven't haven't heard any updates at all from anyone on that. Okay, I just thought I'd throw that out there just in case. Uh, all right. So, oh, this week um, we've talked about what you guys. Like we're, sorry, but it's also not like we're in the U.S. anymore to test it. So, right. you know, we need to see multiple charging sessions across multiple cars, particularly with Lucids at me, as many Signet stations as we can. We're, Ryan's keeping an eye on it on, on Rate Your Charge. So we have a tag. Anytime someone checks in with a high voltage car on a Signet, we're looking for more Signet surge stuff. So, yeah. Okay. We're, we're trying to keep track of it, but it sounds like we're on the upswing of that situation. Sweet. All right. Uh, so, Tom, don't you have a RAM on order too? Yes, I do, Pete. I forgot that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Before so, we go, Dom, I don't know if we're going to be cut now because it's getting towards the end. Well, sure. I thought I'd, I'd do a, a close-up of the, uh, the Magic Dock Tesla Universal Wall Connector because I know people have asked me about that. Um, As you know, I did the videos. We talked about it the last couple of weeks. This uh, adapter will not unlock while it's in this position, just like the the supercharger at Magic Dock. It's interesting how it works. It must be magnetic or something on the inside because when when this is docked in the charger, if I just pull, the Tesla connector will release. But then once I take press this tab and remove it from the, the body of the unit, now it becomes tethered so nobody can steal it. So it's uh, definitely interesting. And uh, I'm amazed. I have two videos out on this. Uh, I've already started to do my complete review. It's going to take me a few weeks to do that. Um, but uh, I'm amazed there's still no video of anybody that has one uh, on, on this online. So I may be the only person that Tesla sent this to, which is pretty cool, or at least uh, yeah, I think you know, you were because who else reviews level two chargers? You're the yeah. only one. So it's pr- pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the full review. I like it. It seems uh, this this will be a good solution for a lot of people. And a lot of people have been asking me some, well, what's the big deal? Why don't you just get Tesla wall, uh, regular wall connector with an adapter? And you're right. It, it It's not that big of a difference, but it is a much more elegant solution. You don't have to worry about storing your adapter, losing your adapter, you know, um, uh, th- and this is designed to work seamlessly with this. So it's a really good solution. And when Tesla rolls out their new app because that's what they also uh, told me that it's not just this, that it's they're they're doing a major update to their app. So they're going to have a lot of app functionality for people that have the, this and the regular wall connector. And that was supposed to happen like within weeks of releasing this. So any day now we should get this app update. And as soon as that happens, I'll, I'll download it and we'll see what the functionality of this was, but I've used it so far to charge all my EVs, the Bolt, the Rivian, the Lightning, and uh, works works perfectly, as you, as you would expect, but you still want to uh, test it to uh, check it out. But um, uh, really cool, really cool unit. All right. Hey, so this week, uh, I just want to talk about my own car situation for a second. I uh, put up a video myself of um, just going to talking about the uh, PCS uh, issue with we use Tesla Model 3. So I, I bought a used Tesla Model 3 this, earlier this year and it has this issue. I had a little warning pop up on the dash that I did not notice at the time, a power grid or vehicle issue limiting AC charging. And it turns out that uh, the power conversion system or PCS, which sits on the, on the battery in the back, was failing. And I did not know. I didn't realize it until, you, until I got home. So uh, I just made a video um explaining how you 
how you take this message and how you figure out if it's like the, your, the source of your electricity that's uh, affecting, uh, that's giving you this warning message, or if it's the actual issue with the car and just yeah, all the steps of how you go go about, uh, you know, confirming that is the issue and um, what you, what your choices, what your options are to take care of it, which are, you know, pretty slim, actually. You just, there are some used, uh, you can buy like a scrap uh, or salvage module and have a, a garage put it in there for you but the price was that i got so far was like pretty close to what tesla charges for a brand new unit so i that would be my choice of what to go but anyway if you're interested in that you can go to drive electric drive electric with dominic and check that out well when you first uh, picked up your car you made a video about it right. and i noticed the messages on there and i was like what? Right. what does that say and yeah i guess you didn't realize so you got it back home to um tallahassee and right. you right and so that's like yeah Oh, so it's I here. Start, here we go. That's the video. You're right. I started, I started off this video with that little clip, and I mentioned that you caught the message, warning the message, and I showed like, like the original clip. Right? It'll swim. It'll change right over there now. So I'm looking at the dash, looking at the uh, – it's, it's, been, it's been charging. Um, but it, You're it, limited it, to 16 amps everywhere, right? It, yeah, then the, this, this little – message popped up there's another message on the earlier warning about being able not being able to charge it supercharges until the uh, until the ownership situation was switched over and everything but so i didn't see it switch over anyway it, it's uh i'm still charging on 16 amps now so i can charge at three kilowatts and i really wish you would have made note of that at the dealership when you bought it because you could have had them put something in the sales contract to say that this is, um, you know, I'm, I'm taking possession of the vehicle, but there's obviously a fault. Right. Um, the dealer is responsible for, for that. I mean, that would have been a point of negotiation uh, uh, for you at the time. And they, you might've got them to say, okay, check it out. And if it's a problem, we'll, we'll pay for it. You know, you always, right. you know, on used cars, if there's any of the, the warning lights or anything are lit when you, when you, when you buy a used car in quite often the dealer, and in some States, I think it's almost law that like they can't sell to you if there's some sort of a, a of a of a uh if they're a licensed dealer reselling cars they have to fix things like that so they're responsible so just just a point for you guys out there if you do buy any EV or any vehicle and there's some sort of a warning light make note of it in the sales contract and try to get the the seller to agree to have that rectified or at least split the cost with you or something like that, you know, cause it could end up being something very expensive, like what happened with Dom here, um, yeah. which is unfortunate. Yeah. It was about, uh, I think it's like 17 or $1,800. I've seen different prices, like 17 or $1,800, but then add tax and then yeah. the time it of your day. It's a $2,000 issue. Basically. Yeah. I think, I think it's pretty fair to say that. Yeah. And um, honestly for your needs, it's not worth replacing until it stops AC charging Yeah, because definitely. you can still supercharge at full speed. Yes. And, uh, and I don't have $2,000 sitting around that I can spend on this right now. So keep, keep working, please car. All right. Um, so dumb. Well, I wanted to put, touch on Mark's comment here because uh, yeah, it was please. kind of a, John Volker did a really good piece on, um, talking about, uh, the OEMs. He did a bunch of interviews talking about their, their transition. And yeah, sorry, Mark, we, we should have taken a minute just to talk about this. John's mm -hmm. John's an outstanding, uh, uh journalist. He's, he actually, yeah, it, we 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 will. I'll, I'll I'll if he'll come on, I'll talk to him about that. I'm really good friends with John. I've been to his house a couple times. Um, we 
I've known John, you know, from the days when I first started covering EVs, he was a bit of a mentor of mine. And um, we got to be friends back then. And I used to write for Green Car Reports where he was like the managing editor. He used to take my articles and then um, say, do you mind if I tweak them a bit? And and he would make them so much more polished and so much better and send it back to me. He'd be like, is it okay if I polish this? And I'm like, hell yeah. Like, do I owe you anything for making my article better? But um, he taught me so much about how to write and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a wonderful, and if John writes something, you can etch it in stone because he won't speculate. He gets double and triple confirmation. He won't write an article on what one inside person says. If he can't, um, you know, get a second person to, to, to say that's correct, he won't cover it. He's, he's, he's aces, John, in my opinion, he's the best electric vehicle journalist out there today. Anyway. Um, uh, but um, so he did this article and we didn't cover it. Mark, honestly, I almost think that that's a topic that people maybe because I'm an insider, I, I, I'm looking through it through my tainted glasses. I almost think people would expect that uh, because this was an enormous decision that these automakers made to transition to next. It, it's going to cost them ton of money and they wouldn't do it unless they were disgusted with the state of current CCS charging. It, they, they, they held off and held off and held off. They did not want to transition to, to next. It's an enormous transition. Their engineers are probably pulling their hair out of their head now, re-engineering the cars. And it's not just a simple thing. So just put the next port in there. No, this is a, a tremendous amount of work and money. It's going to cost the OEMs to do this. And they only did it because they felt they absolutely had to, because they were disgusted at the current state of CCS charging in the country. So I almost felt like you know, it wasn't a surprise, uh, but I guess I, I, I'm looking at it through my eyes and I know, I know that they're all disgusted, but the, the, the average person doesn't. So we should have brought that up. But um, thanks for pointing that out in the comment section. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, I, I need to look up that. I think it's four articles uh, for it's a four part series and I, I need to look and read that up. And just to echo your comments about John. Yeah, he's like top guy. Basically, there's so much attention to detail. He's like fastidious about the facts, basically. And, and he will not print something that he can't double confirm. He is right. aces. Hey, there's just one little thing I want to share with you guys, too, that's coming out that just was announced this week. So, so this is a car that's going to be available in, in uh, combustion versions, but also there's going to be a, an EV version. Uh, there, it's probably already sold. I think they're all sold anyway. So this is just the... It's just a beautiful looking car and I'm, it's going to have the same, uh, the electric version will have the same drivetrain, I believe, as the Maserati Fulgore that you looked at uh, last week, I believe we talked about, Kyle. Yeah. So this is the, uh, what is it, the Alfa Romeo 33 Stradale. And yeah, it just looks so amazing. <laughs> I just had, had to share that as all. I just, it's such a great looking vehicle. Anyway, and, but there's, yeah, only 33 of them made. They're also, someone's going to have some cool electric Alfa Romeo Stradale, to, you know, hopefully Kyle, maybe, I don't know. You can hook up with one of those at some point in the future because I'd like to see it, you know, tested properly. Um, all right. So I think that brings us to the end of our show. Any other I news? I have to you go pick up a Microlino. Oh, do you? Oh, oh, oh. cool. <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know, so make, tell people what the Microlino is. It's like a, a refreshed BMW iSetta 
um, that is just the coolest little thing ever. They just emailed me like five minutes ago. They said, oh, go pick it up. You can have it for the week. They just ran. They said, you're in Munich. Go grab one. I'm like, hell yeah. So it's like an egg. Uh, are you sure a- you're going to fit in that, Kyle? You're a big guy. Hey, don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> I sat in one at an auto show once. It was so cool. I'll make myself fit in there. I mean, I got a smart car. It can't be that much smaller than the smart. Mm, yeah, it's a lot smaller than your smart car. <laughs> I've, I've yeah. sat in it. It's I've like an it egg before. on wheels, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've sat in it before. Yeah, we want to avoid any front end impacts while we have this because there's no crumple zone. But uh, your yeah. legs are the crumple zone. So <laughs> this is this is apparently because we have some other test cars. We have Neo coming with some battery swap stuff. Um, lucid air. I'm trying to think what else we have going on. Uh, I'm going to drive a BYD for the first time this trip. Oh, sweet. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're actually like working on a deal with sixth. And so it's not totally finalized yet, but they were like, just take a car for, you know, a review. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that sounds great. What do you have? BYD. Hell yes. I want to try that. Um, Neo? So I don't know how long we'll have it. Uh, Neo, we're taking one from Neo. I want to do, we have an EV6 GT. I want to do EV6 GT versus Neo, like a high speed road trip race at night around Germany because um, battery swap versus really fast charging, basically, okay. be the Sweet. idea. Yeah. Right and I need to, I need to try an MG4 at some point. I've been seeing those, especially in Northern Germany quite often, none here in Southern Germany uh, I've seen so far. Right. Yeah, MG's got some interesting stuff going on. Actually, that's Cyberster. They have that little uh, convertible, two-door convertible sports car, I think, coming out too that's pretty cool looking. Yeah, my friend Chris Rifa is going to come down. We're going to film some videos together. He's a Norwegian YouTuber, great uh, electric vehicle journalist as well. I'm trying to think what else we have going on. Just so much, so many new cars I have a list of like 12 or 13 cars that we're going to produce full videos on. I'm going to drive the Neo ET5 Touring, the wagon version, mm, nice. uh, going on the launch of that next week. There's uh, ID4 facelift, ID7. Um, we're going to do BMW i5. I mean, it's just so many things. I mean, and I'm really bad at coordinating stuff, so I might miss some of those, but um, we'll do our best. Okay, so we'll, we'll hear all about it uh, next week. Yeah, I guess, I guess MG is very popular, so I need to track one of those down. Yeah, Martin owns one, so. Oh, well, I'll just pop over and see him. That'd be great. That'd be <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, sure. John, before we cut out, I sure. want to thank the followers. Um, we posted this on our social accounts, but the Batteries Included podcast was number one downloaded or the number one automotive podcast on Apple Podcasts for a good period of time, which is tremendous and that speaks to you guys not us you right. you thank you so much for uh you know helping us out in this transition from inside evs to our own podcast that we own that we can control we could bring new things uh new, you know which we have a lot of plan uh, plans in the future um but uh, you guys really came through for us and, and people are downloading and subscribing and uh that's really important for us we'll be here to continue to uh provide our insight and thoughts in the industry as long as you guys keep subbing and uh, subscribing and show support. And I want to thank you all for making this podcast the number one automotive podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. It's hard to even imagine that it's a thing, really. <laughs> it's been a crazy ride this past few years. And uh, yeah, keep on. We're, we're, yeah, episode one, we're going to keep on driving in the future. For, and uh, yeah. But for now, I think this that brings us to the end of this show. So, if you have any questions or comments, uh, please leave uh, please leave, a, leave us a comment below or get in touch with us on on Twitter. 
um, where we are Batteries Inc. pod or on threads where we are at Batteries Included podcast. You can follow Martin on Twitter or threads at EV News Daily. On Twitter, Tom is Tomalog, that's with two M's, and Tomalogny on threads. I'm Dominic Yoni on threads and in real life. On Twitter, Kyle is, is Kyle <laughs> That's actually really a good, that was a good line. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. And, and he's virtual Kyle on threads, but it's mostly on Twitter. If you want to find Kyle, he's on Twitter. Or yeah, he's Twitter. Twitter. I think uh, the threads thing kind of died out. Let uh, me know if uh, it starts it, to pick up again. It's uh, it, it's going pretty decent over there, actually. Yeah, uh, It had slacked off, but now people can access it on their desktops now, so it's picked up a bit more. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, if so if you like the show, please give us a thumbs up, uh, click subscribe, Tap that bell icon for notifications. Thank you all very much for joining us once again. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you all again very soon. Ciao.